Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're going to start a series today, and we're calling the series A Journey to Easter. But before we do, I just want to share some statistics or a stat with you. Easter and Christmas are the two days that more people come to church than anybody else, any time in the world. Well, we're taking this and spreading it over four weeks, and we're calling it a journey, because I believe, as you're going to find out today, that the book of John records that journey. You have the first nine chapters of John that take us through Jesus coming into the ministry, Jesus talking to Nicodemus, Jesus talking to Jairus, Jesus just proclaiming many things. Seven miracles transpired in the book of John. But the last 11 chapters of the book of John all record one week of his life, the final week. So the next time you read John 9 through 20, you'll find, or excuse me, 10 through 21, you'll find that his life, everything he would ever do would be wrapped up in those two or those 10 chapters. People, and I want to share this with you, expect their Christian friends to invite them to church. If no other time, they expect you to visit or to invite them on Easter and Christmas. So just to, just to help you see that picture, we found a little video that will help us to understand just what it is to invite somebody to Easter. Space Odyssey, not the year. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's our neighbor. Hey, I brought back all your stuff I ever borrowed from you. All of it. Yeah, you know what? You just stay right there. I'll show it to you, all right? Remember this? That was fun, wasn't it? Thank you for that. I know I borrowed this to make them muffins, but it is fantastic at sifting through the cat litter. I'll get you a new one. <laughs> hey, is this your house key? You know what? I'll just let myself in. Stop! Hey, sermon's up there, mister. 
I'm trying to learn about my Savior's birth. Resurrection. Whatever. Hey, you go to church? Why didn't you just invite me? Daddy, why didn't you invite Kevin to church? Oh, please, like you invited your neighbors to church. Hey, welcome. Glad y'all are here. Happy Easter. It's really not that difficult. Hey, can I keep your nunchucks? It's really not that difficult. It's really not that difficult to invite your neighbors. We we have our neighbors, and they come to church. We invite them every Sunday, and they come. Bob and Tina, they, every Sunday they come to church with us. Actually, we invite our other neighbors. They just haven't came yet or come yet, which came, come. Okay. Either way, it's. A journey to Easter. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 4. We're going to begin this journey in this passage. I think it's apropos that Jesus actually starts off his, the last part of his life on this earth in John chapter 4 because he concludes John chapter 3 with our probably favorite passage. Starts with verse 16. How many remember it? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you don't know the rest, it goes like this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. But the world, it says, is condemned already because they have chosen not to believe on the only begotten Son of the Father. And then chapter 3 winds up. This is because men love darkness rather than light. John chapter 4, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw from, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank for himself and also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water, they will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I won't be thirsty anymore, that I won't have to keep coming back here to draw water. 
And he told her these words, go and call your husband and come back. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. You have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is very true. And then she says, woman, I see that you are a prophet. Or uh, the woman said, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, Jesus went on to say, for salvation is of the Jews. Yet there's a time coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, well, I know that Messiah, the one who is called the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Now, I want us to understand that this is the, of all of Scripture, this is the longest dialogue that Jesus had with anybody. And it was a woman, and it was a Samaritan. Both things were what Jews were not supposed to address. The men especially were not supposed to talk to the women, and were not supposed to talk to Samaritans at all. Yet there's a picture here that God is trying to outline to you and to I, that all things are not as though they seem, and that what God does, God does for a reason. And in all that has happened, and all that transpires in these next few moments this morning will be for a reason that you and I will understand. Let me go to verse 1 of this passage. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus that baptized at all, but his disciples. So he left Judea, and he went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. I want you to understand that passage. He had to go through Samaria. So when he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from his long journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon. And this is what transpired on that day. Give me a drink. How is it that you, a Jew, would ask for a drink of water when I I am a Samaritan? If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, 
the well is deep, and you have to draw water with. How then will you get this living water? Whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. The water that I give will become a fountain of water, springing up inside you to everlasting life. Give me this water that I may not thirst anymore, and that I may not come here to draw anymore. Go, call your husband and come here. You have answered truthfully that you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. I believe that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews believe that in Jerusalem is the place to worship. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming and is already here when you will not worship the Father, either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Um, called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. I, who speak to you, am he. Probably one of the most wonderful chapters in all of the Bible. Because we see a picture. Now I want you to give a little geographical idea here. As we shared in the fourth verse as I was reading the text, the Bible says as Jesus was coming, he had to go to Samaria. Well, if you look on a map from where Jesus was coming from to his destiny in Jerusalem, he didn't have to go through Samaria. Well, there is something more to the picture that you and I have to come a hold of. The first thing that I want us to look at just quickly in the next few minutes is the fact that Jesus came to seek the lost. The Father said that the Son came for no other purpose but to seek and to save those that were lost. The reality in life, you and I are sinners seeking satisfaction. The picture of the woman at the well I think was so so interesting how the Lord brought the picture out because is it not a picture of our life? She says she has no husband because the man she is currently living with, she is not married to. But she had five husbands in the past, five different people to try to bring fullness to that empty vessel, much like this empty jar that every day she carried here. The picture of her life potentially. Coming here empty, filling it up for a moment, she's carrying it back with satisfaction and fulfillment, only to see it empty out again. And she meets someone that she did not expect to meet. There's another interesting thing to know about this woman. She came to the well, as you read in John 4, all by herself. Well, the culture of the day, the women never traveled by themselves. But you know why she did? 
because of her shame. None of the other women would travel with her. You see, when you're in a small town, everybody knows your business. And nobody would travel with her. Nobody would go to the well with her. She was alone. And you know what she was doing? She was living the reality of her sin. She wasn't seeking redemption. She wasn't looking for God. She was living every single day, just like many in this room. You're just living the reality of life. There's so much more God has for us, so much more God has for your life. But until it comes to the place you begin seeking for it, it'll be just like that pot. You'll fill it up to satisfy one day, only to return empty the next. Am I making sense? You see, the woman is the picture of every empty, sin-filled life that is looking for satisfaction. This woman is the picture in John 4. But I want to go back to John 3 for a moment. All of the dialogue that we find, John 3, 16, 17, 18, 19, all began with a discourse between a man and Jesus in John 3, 3. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus came to him at night. He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the religious. And he came to Jesus by night because he was afraid to be caught. He was afraid of what everybody else would say. It's just like you and I live in the Christian life. Do we live it blatantly in public or do we shun back in the darkness? Afraid of what people will say. You see, there's a lot of people living a religious life. This is the picture of Nicodemus. That's why Jesus came to Nicodemus and said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think it's interesting, the irony between the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus is they both immediately started making excuses. The woman said, the well is deep. How do you draw this water you're talking about? Are you greater than our father Jacob who fed his family and his animals here? Nicodemus says, can a person be born a second time? Can we enter a second time into the mother's womb? You see, whether you're a religious person or whether you're just a sinner, we all make excuses for the life we live. We all transition through this life empty. Oh, we might be half full, but any time it comes to the top, it quickly goes right back to the bottom. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? You see, I proclaim this here not as one that doesn't understand because this too can be my life. If I try to do anything without Christ, I very shortly will find myself an empty water pot because I understand the lostness of humanity is pictured in John 3 and John 4. Whether you're a sinner or a religious person thinking everything's okay. We're still empty at best. The second thing that I want to quickly talk about is the fact that Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. If you notice there in, in John chapter 4 in the fourth verse, you find this little phrase in there that says, Jesus was tired. He was weary. Once again, if you look at the geography, he didn't have to go through Samaria. Why did he go? Why did he go through Samaria? Because the father told him to. 
the Father said, I have an appointment with you. You say, well, Pastor, how do you know that just by reading? Very simply, who began the conversation? Jesus did. Not the woman. Jesus began talking to her at the very gate. He didn't wait for her to speak. He initiated the conversation. This tells me he went there purposely to do the will of the Father, to seek and to save those who were lost, even a Samaritan woman. Let me tell you something. You might be here and you think you're the lowest of the low. That's what the Samaritans were. Nobody wanted them. Nobody trusted them. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Luke, you have the, the, the man that was robbed from Jerusalem to, to uh, uh, Bethlehem. He was on the road to Samaria. He was robbed and beaten and left for dead. Who was it that saved him? A Samaritan. It wasn't a religious man. He came by. It wasn't just a good person. They came by. It was the one that everyone rejected. Look at me for a second. You might be here today and you say, what's the difference? My life, you know, I'm up, I'm down, I'm in, I'm out. Yeah, I can relate to her, sure. But there's a bigger story. She found the living water. And you this morning can find the same living water. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Listen. Just like her, she didn't initiate it. He started first. She was the objective. Can I tell you about your life and mine? He came first. He loved first. He gave first. While we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us. Do you know why? He knows that we would not, just like her, not be looking for redemption, not be looking for salvation, just okay with life as usual. He knew that except for his grace, we would remain lost in our sin. Can somebody say amen? Now I want to look at the story as it unfolds. Jesus begins to expose the woman to herself. Uncovered her deepest need. Do you think she had five husbands just because she didn't have nothing better to do? She's looking for something in life. She was looking for satisfaction. She was looking for fulfillment. You see, Jesus uncovered her deepest need. He uncovered the deepest drink of the well that only he could fulfill. Jesus began to explain to her that the greatest problem that she had was that she did not know the gift of God. Therefore, she did not go to him to receive the drink that was so needed. You see, he wanted to fill her thirsty soul. He wanted to help fill that longing, the reality of the emptiness that's been tried to be satisfied by sensual instead of the spiritual. I'm going to make a statement. It's you don't have any notes today, and you won't have any for the next four weeks. So you have to write stuff. Write this down. The nature of sin is essentially idolatry. It's all about you. It's all about you or me trying to fulfill what you or I want. That's the nature of sin. That's the nature of sin. That's why sin is nothing more than glorified idolatry. Can somebody say amen? Jesus came to satisfy 
that longing that's in each and every one of us by, by addressing the deepest longings in her heart, in your heart, in my heart. Many believers, immediately when God starts pulling back the covers, they, got, they start getting a little edgy, don't they? How many ever tried to witness to somebody and all of a sudden they start backpedaling really quick? They start telling you all the reasons why this couldn't happen or that couldn't happen. But listen to me. She did the same thing. The Samaritan woman. Nicodemus did the same thing. When her lifestyle was challenged, she did what so many people tried to do, and that's divert the attention from herself by changing the subject. What did she do? Well, you know, God, we, you know, they say that we Samaritans have to go to Jerusalem to worship. We can't worship in Jerusalem. We want to worship on our mountain. Started making all the excuses why it couldn't happen. What, Lord, can you draw the water from this well? Can you do something that nobody else? Give me that water. She started making all of the excuses. What do we do today? We start making the denominational excuses. Well, you know, what's, what church is better than this church or that church or the other church? They all believe something different. Jesus said in John 4, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth. You see, Jesus drew a picture. He did not say the woman wasn't a worshiper, but he nailed it by saying that she was a worshiper of the creature rather than the creator, the created The last thing that I want to touch on this morning, Jesus and the woman had probably one of the most poignant dialogues of all of Scripture. And I want you to know, male or female, any one of us could have been carrying this face. You got up this morning to come to church, and I can guarantee majority of you came a little empty came wanting to be filled. But pastor, I wish Jesus would show up just like he did for her. Oh, he's here right now. And he's wanting to fill you. But he said, you've got to look beyond you. You see, the Samaritan woman, she did something after it was all said and done. She left the pot. She heard truth, and she said, I don't want this empty life anymore. I don't want to have to come every time I turn around just to get filled up again. And she said, I'm, I'm, I've, I found living water. I, I want to do I don't want to carry, I don't want to come back. I don't want to do that. I have found the hope. And you know what she did? She ran back to the only world she knew, the men. The Bible says she went back to the men of the community. She left her old life and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. But she didn't have anybody else to go to but the very world that she came out of. But she knew she had found something more. So she ran back 
to the men and said, guys, I found the man. I found the Messiah. I found the son of man who took the form of man that I don't have to trust in man. I can trust back in Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. She said, I'm going to get rid of all this idolatry and this simple self-love. Folks, let me ask you. I'm a kind of in-your-face kind of preacher. I know it shocks some of you, but it is. Are you thirsty? Are you tired of same old, same old? Are you tired of the jug? Literally or figuratively? Are you tired of, of, of going through, oh, I'm feeling good, only to get up the next morning and say, oh, man. I'm reminded of the, the guy that was praying. And he's saying, God, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you, God. You're helping me. And he's praying. He's feeling pretty good. And then he stopped. And he said, God, but I'm fixing to get out of bed now. I really need your help in this day. Are you thirsty? Are you tired of having a vessel that runs empty? Are you tired of just kind of going through the motions Have you been trying to satisfy your soul with the created? Whether it's man or something. Money, a car, a house, a job. If so, there's a well of living water that is free to all who would know the gift of God. Jesus came in the flesh. I want you to hear me as I wrap this up. He came in the flesh because that was the only way he could deal with our greatest issue, our flesh. The God of this world has governed our flesh since the beginning of time. Jesus came born of a virgin the Bible says a body was made for him. And he walked this earth. As you read through the book of John, you read those last 10 or 11 chapters, and you see the last week of his life. He walked through this world. And the Bible says he overcame the flesh. What did that mean? He overcame the created things by always keeping his eye on the creator. The woman at the well, she was trying to satisfy herself with men. She was trying to satisfy herself with the world. You know how I know that? Because she didn't care if she was all alone. She could go home and she could get charged up again and I'm good. Only to wake up the next morning and feel how empty she really was. Ultimately, Jesus touched the deepest part of her soul 
that he could ultimately touch the deepest part of her need. Now let me take you to the end of the book of John. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be going through the entirety of his last week of life as we journey to Easter. But all the way at the end in John 20, we hear Jesus at a place called Calvary doing the same thing he encouraged her. He'd paid the price. He'd lived the life. He had took the stripes. He had been beaten and mocked and ridiculed. Now he's got nails in his hands and his feet. And he's hanging on a tree. Why is he hanging on a tree? Because the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. All the curses of our life, your life, my, the sins, the degradation of our life was nailed to that tree. And his love held him there. Do you know how I knew his love held him there? Because two of the last words of what he was saying on that cross was just like this woman here. She needed to touch the Father. She needed to know the gift of God. And she said, I want that water that makes me never thirst again. Two words that Jesus said right before he died. I thirst. He said, Father, I know you're the only one who can satisfy this. Oh, just a few hours earlier, ladies and gentlemen, just a few hours earlier, he was in a garden, a garden called Gethsemane. Oh, we're going to take you into that garden here in a few weeks. That word Gethsemane means the place of crushing. He was in that garden of Gethsemane. And he was saying, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way? See, Jesus knew that it wasn't going to be his will. It was going to be his Father's will. And at the end, Jesus looked to heaven to the victory he knew could and would only come from the Father to be satisfied. He cried out, I thirst. And can I tell you something? The fulfillment of that thirsting was fulfilled in those last nine words. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's why he was able to say that. But then something else happened. Something else happened. He said, Dad, the world needs to be satisfied. They took a spear. pierced his side and the water of quenching flowed. He said, I'm going to pour out a gift of life for all the world. I can picture in my mind's eye this woman walking in just as our lady did a few moments ago. I can picture in my mind's eye every Sunday morning folks coming from all over. God, I just, I'm thirsty. God, I need something. And God says, you just got to tap in 
to the river of living water that you never have to thirst again. Ladies and gentlemen, church isn't going to quench your thirst. If you think it is, I don't want to pop your proverbial bubble, but it ain't. The greatest preacher in town isn't going to quench your thirst. The greatest worship team in flag isn't going to quench your thirst. You've got to touch into the well of living water. The Bible says that once you tap into that well of living water, there will be a spring rising up inside of you that will quench you every single moment, every single day of your life. God says, will you call out to the gift that I have for you through my son, Jesus Christ. As the worship team comes. The last words we find in Revelation. Wasn't that a great drama, church? The last words we find in the book of Revelation Chapter 22, right before John says, even so, come quickly. Yes, the same John that wrote the book of John, God used to write the book of Revelation. And look what he says of the Lord in verse 17. Let him who thirsts come. Let him who thirst, come. And whoever desires me, look what he says, let him take of the water of life freely. The water flowed at Calvary. The water was dipped from a life that was willing to go out of its way, tired, weary. Folks, as the pastor, one of my one of my favorite scriptures and a scripture I hang on to is Galatians 6, 9, where it tells me not to be weary in doing what is right. For in God's time, I will reap if I don't quit. Jesus came to this well, tired, weary. Oh, I guarantee he would just soon have been in Jerusalem. But he came and sat down at that well. And he said, Woman, give me something to drink. And then the woman immediately goes into all the reasons why she shouldn't or couldn't or wouldn't. Jesus said, if you knew who was sitting here, you wouldn't just give me a drink. You'd ask me of a drink. He was weary. He was tired. But he said, my will is to do the will of my father and dad said this good for nothing low life person not my words that was the Samaritans were thought of that was the most important thing that God wanted his son to do that day father is there any other way ladies and gentlemen There's no other way but to dip into the waters of life. There's no other way. Are you thirsty? Are you tired of of your 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 day still running and your 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 jugs all empty? 
Are you tired of trying to start new every morning? Are you seeking to satisfy your soul and you've tried it with everything the world has to offer? I don't know where you're at. Oh, you might call yourself a Christian, but you're as dry as those bones in Ezekiel's prophecy. God said, I want to bring you life. I want to bring you a river of life. If you're here this morning, I just want to open these altars. Because I know that I've heard the word of God this morning. And there's some here that you're looking this way and you're you're looking for satisfaction in another state, in another another city, another job. You might be here and said, I'm just not satisfied in this marriage relationship. And you're hoping to find fulfillment somewhere else. Oh, you're trying, you're, you're, you're in school and you can't, you're, you're changing careers every time we turn around because you can't. F- folks, you're looking for it in all the wrong places. Just like that old country song from the 70s, looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen. You're looking for hope, happiness. Joy, fulfillment, satisfaction everywhere but where you should be. And that is drawing from a well that never once dry. Would you come this morning? I just want to open these altars. And don't sit back there and make, oh, you know, I don't want to cut people, don't think things. That's what Nicodemus did. That's what the Samaritan woman did. Jesus said, I got a living water waiting for you. Would you come? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.